0: hi i'm carissa vacker and welcome back to sleep wave a podcast where we let waves of relaxation wash over you through original sleep meditations created to help you fall asleep tonight and don't worry if you don't hear the end of an episode i encourage you to drift off whenever you're ready before we get started on tonight's episode, I'd like to say thanks again for all of the great ratings and reviews you guys have left us on Apple Podcasts and some of the other networks too. Tonight's big thanks goes out to 10-year-old Clara, who could never get to sleep before midnight, but since listening to Sleepwave is able to get to bed earlier and has amazing sleep, this one's for you, Clara. If you too find that sleep has come easier since listening to Sleepwave, Wave and you've not yet reached out to us, please feel free to let us know and consider subscribing to support the show. You can enjoy ad-free listening, plus have access to two bonus episodes a month and my entire back catalog. It really is the best way to find easy sleep every night. The details are in the show notes. Before we begin, I wanted to let you know about the best way to get a perfect night's sleep, With SleepWave Premium, enjoy an ad-free experience, two exclusive bonus episodes a month, as well as our back catalog of premium content. Your support really helps. Sign up takes two taps, so please click the link in the show notes. But now, it's time for a quick word from our sponsors who make this free content possible. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? Welcome to the Life Writing Podcast, where married authors and screenwriter Stephen Barnes and Tanana Reeve do talk about writing during stressful times, breaking into Hollywood, and balancing life. Every week, we'll share more tips on how to build a better life while you create your dream projects. Even if it's only at the rate of one sentence a day, life writing is the application of the tools of writing to life and the tools of life to your writing. Check us out wherever you get your podcasts. A couple weeks ago, we had a huge storm blow through. A day that had been slightly cloudy, but otherwise quite nice, turned suddenly dark and broody. And by late afternoon, we were all huddled in the hall with the doors closed and away from windows in case of a tornado. While the storm thankfully blew through quickly and with no damage besides some downed branches, it knocked our power out for five hours. My two-year-old thought it was a party, reading stories in the closet by flashlight as we were sheltering from the storm, then hanging out in the living room with no other light than the fire in the fireplace and candles all around the room. It was getting late, definitely time to put him to bed but I felt slightly lost without our usual bedtime rituals. After I read him stories, I usually turn on his white noise machine and turn on his favorite song to drift off to as we rock and cuddle together until he gets sleepy enough to put in his crib. But that night, we rocked in the quiet together, listening only to the still-falling rain outside. It's wild how quiet it can be when not only your house, but everyone's around you is unplugged. After my son drifted off to sleep, I sat with Billy on the couch in front of the fireplace, and we both felt the quiet in a deep and lovely way. While there are lots of inconvenient and even disconcerting things about not having electricity, it was also striking to just be quiet. We talk a lot about being quiet and present on this podcast, but we usually have the lights on in our home or music playing somewhere or a child running around. Unplugging felt calming and maybe even a bit healing. Our minds are not meant to have continuous stimuli all the time, but we've become so accustomed to it that it feels odd to not have it. Meditation is conscious unplugging. You're saying, hey, I'm not going to react to my thoughts or my environment or even my physical sensations right now. I'm just going to be still with what is. Tonight, we're going to embrace this conscious unplugging with a cozy visualization meditation where we'll be warmed and comforted by glowing candles and a crackling fire. As we wind down from the day, take a deep breath into your belly and let it out. Tonight is all about releasing any need to show up for anything or anyone but your own breath and this moment. Get comfortable as we meditate to Get Sleepy by Firelight by Billy Gill. It's hard to imagine how different life must have been even a hundred years ago in most places, with no electricity to illuminate our homes, pump our water, cook and store our food, provide heat in the winter and cool in the summer, much less provide us with constant entertainment and stimulation at the push of a button or a flick of a switch. Nowadays, with the advent of voice commands, a mere word can beckon the entire home to whirr and buzz with electrical activity. Scientists have found evidence that ancient peoples may have experimented with electricity over 2,000 years ago. In 1936, a clay pot was discovered in modern-day Iraq that contained copper plates, tin alloy, and an iron rod. It's possible that it was used to create an electric current by filling it with an acidic solution like vinegar. No one knows what the device was used for, but it suggests that human beings have been learning about electricity for a very long time. In 1600, William Gilbert, a physician to Queen Elizabeth I, invented the term electricity and was the first to recognize the connection between magnetism and electricity. Famously, Benjamin Franklin made several advances in his electrical experiments. He proved that lightning is a form of electricity, though the kite, which she flew into a thunderstorm, was not in fact struck by lightning, but picked up the electrical charge from the storm and went on to invent the lightning rod. Until his experiments in the mid-1700s, scientists had mainly experimented with static electricity, but it wasn't until the 1830s that Michael Faraday demonstrated the ability to generate electric power through other forms of force, a process called induction, laying the groundwork for Nikola Tesla's AC and Thomas Edison's DC current. Though there were several other inventors of the electric light bulb in the early 19th century, Edison became the most popular and practical, making electricity a part of everyday life in the 19th century. Still, it wasn't until about 1925 that half the homes in the US were lit by electricity. Before this, most homes were still lit by gas lanterns as they had been since the late 18th century, and candles, which were first mentioned as being used as early as 3,000 years ago. There's no denying that electricity has made life more comfortable, convenient, and progressively more prosperous for modern human beings. On the other hand, these advances have changed our habits and behaviors so drastically that despite the convenience and comfort technology has given to us, it hasn't come without a cost. People are spending more and more time looking at screens indoors and less and less time outside in natural settings. The beneficial effects of time spent in nature on mental and physical health are well known. There's a consistent link between feeling the inherent connection to nature and a sense of well-being. While spending more time alone and indoors with our devices can be isolating, spending more time outdoors and with nature has the opposite effect, giving rise to more pro-social behavior in both children and adults. The sense that we are connected to something larger enhances feelings of belonging to a community of friends and neighbors. As social beings, we are adapted to thrive in these kinds of close communities. As we connect with nature, we connect more deeply with other people. As we connect more deeply with other people, we connect more deeply with ourselves. Tonight's sleep meditation offers insights on how we might connect to our deepest selves by consciously disconnecting from technology. Life before modern conveniences was difficult in certain ways. And while those difficulties may have been relieved through technology, it's important that we don't lose sight of the joy that our ancestors may have nonetheless felt in their hearts with only candles and hearths to light their homes, singing and stories to entertain them, the sun, moon, and stars to guide their days and nights, and the revolving seasons to direct their years. As you settle into a comfy position in bed, imagine that you have returned to a time before electricity was so pervasive. Of course, there will still be signs that you are in a modern technological age, but allow your imagination to wander into a scene of candlelit rooms and a roaring fire. Small islands of light provide an area to read, or write, or knit, or play cards. If you were to move around the house at night, an oil lamp might prevent you from stumbling over the furniture. The sounds of friends and loved ones singing favorite songs and playing instruments at the hearth. For centuries, the hearth was such an integral part of a home, usually its central and most important feature, that the concept has become a symbol of the home itself. To keep the home fires burning meant to keep a home ready to receive someone back into the arms of their family and community when they returned from being away. The hearth was the sacred center of domestic happiness and blessings. Feel the warmth of that hearth now as you breathe at your own pace. In ancient Greece, Hestia was the goddess of the hearth. Her name means hearth, fireplace, altar. The root of the word from which Hestia was derived means to dwell, stay, or pass the night. and the family. As Hestia was also the goddess of the altar, the hearth held the place of the sacred center of a home. The word hearth shares its ancestry with the word heart. In modern Greek, the word for heart is cardia, which also means heart as in cardiology. The wider concept of hearth and home refers to the family, which in Greek is ekos, eco as in the word ecology. Comes from this concept of ekos. The sense of being connected to a larger unit like a family or even an ecosystem is central to the meaning of the hearth and the heart. As you allow the breath to rise and fall, notice the gentle rhythm of your lungs. As you grow more and more relaxed, you'll notice the belly moving more than the chest. Be patient if the belly isn't moving very much in the beginning. Sometimes a little residual tension in the belly keeps it from rising and falling with the breath. Just notice the waves of inhale and exhale, with a little more emphasis on the pause at the bottom of the exhale. Never straining, simply notice that pause and linger for a moment there before yielding to the impulse for a new inhalation. Breathe in. Your body and mind and whole personality have the quality of ecos as well. They are an ecosystem too. Your heart is your own personal hearth and home. Keep the home fires burning for yourself to return to the sacred center within you. As you breathe in and out, allow your chest to rise and fall in your mind. As you breathe, silently say to yourself, inhale, chest rising, exhale. The energy of the heart expands with each inhale and returns home with each exhale. Inhale, chest rising. Exhale, chest falling. Inhale, chest rising. Exhale. 25, chest rising, 25, chest falling, go on counting the breaths at the level of the chest, the level of the heart, go on all the way down to one. Make no mistakes. If you lose count, start over at 27. Go on. Of the throat. Begin to count the breaths at the throat as you breathe in. Twenty-six. the level of the nostrils. Begin to count the breaths at the nostrils as you breathe in and out. Beginning at 27 and counting all the way down to 1. 27, inhaling at the level of the nostrils. Twenty-seven, exhaling at the nostrils, twenty-six, inhaling at the nostrils, twenty-six, exhaling at the nostrils, twenty-five, inhaling at the nostrils, twenty-five, nostrils. Go on. Counting the breaths at the nostrils. Go on. All the way down to one. Make no mistakes. If you lose count, start over at 27. Go on. to return to the silence of your own heart, your own inner sanctum, the sacred center of yourself. You are truly connected. The Latin word for hearth is focus. The hearth is the focus of the home and the heart is the focus of your meditation. When we meditate, we find the hearth and home of our being by focusing attention on our own hearts. In sleep, you come home to rest in that sacred center of yourself. Connect deeply to your own heart. Imagine the glow of firelight in the home as the only light in the house. It is the warm glow of your own heart. The love you feel for others emanates from this sacred center. You bring those you love into the hearth and home of your inner light, just as they bring you into theirs. You become a focal point for them as a refuge, a place to dwell and stay the night. Do the same for your heart. This is true connection. You belong to a community, a home, a family, an ecosystem, a world, a universe. See yourself sitting by the fire of your own heart and taking refuge for the night. This is the Sacred Center. Listen to the silence of the home at night.